John chapter 14, let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you again tonight for your word. Thank you for the Spirit of God who lives big in us tonight, reveals truth to us, shows us things to come. Lord, we thank you that we live in a time and dispensation when your Spirit has been poured out. He is available to every one of us. Lord, there's dreams and visions available. I thank you that you're speaking by prophetic utterance in the church today and in our lives. And we have great advantage uh, above those who are outside of the kingdom. We can know things. We can be aware of the future. And we can know the heartbeat of God. Lord, we thank you tonight for speaking to us. We thank you in advance. Lord, we know you're faithful. And Lord, we look to you for direction, for answers, for everything we need. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, uh, John 14, we've been speaking to you the last few uh, weeks on the glory of God. And we want to continue talking about the glory of God. How many know whatever you talk about from the word is what you get? Whatever you ignore gets ignored. I mean, you typically will not see uh, things manifest that you don't give attention to. But I'm telling you what, just like when you give attention to healing, you get healings. When you give attention to joy, things get happy. <laughs> and uh, when you give attention to the glory of God and do so in a manner that's correct, uh, that's what you get. And we've already begun to experience greater levels of the glory of God in manifestation. And there's more. And we're in a position, we're in a place, because our hearts are being tweaked in the sense of being able to approach God in a respectful, appropriate way. Uh, we're taking down all the limitations and all the barriers and boundaries that have kept us walking in, in such a natural realm when we've got glory within, the, within us. Amen. And so as we, as we uh, proceed here, what, what are we doing? Well, we're looking to Him. We're giving attention to what he says is important, what the Lord says is valuable, we're, we're, and we're approaching him with, uh, in the method that he prescribed. It, we're approaching him with the attitude that honors and glorifies him so that he can move freely and we don't, we don't have to die. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We can handle more of manifestation of God's glory. Oh, and it's wonderful. It's mighty and it's powerful. And there's nothing that can be a substitute for it. Nothing that even measures. Nothing can even compare. Nothing even comes close. And so let's look to him tonight. Amen? Amen. You know, I was reading over in, in uh, one of the Timothys <laughs> where uh, Paul was, was given instruction to Timothy and talking to him about how people ought to conduct themselves in the house of God. Let me just read that real quick. Hold your finger there in John. Uh, let's see. Praise the Lord. First uh, Timothy. Three. Fourteen. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church 
of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Notice, there's a proper way to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now, we know this, that in the new covenant, the house of God isn't really a building, but it seems uh, even here, he does mention when you're in the house of God. Well, what is that? He goes on to say, the church of the living God. So being in the house is not necessarily just being in the building, but it is being in the assembly of the saints. We could say today, even though it's accurate and it's theologically correct to say that you are the house of God, right? We we may look at some of those scriptures later, but you are the very temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the house of God, but it's also correct to say this, that we are here together tonight in the house of God. What does that mean? Actually, we're not even referring to the building. What are we referring to? Us. The house is both you as an individual filled with the Lord, and it is also the church together. Okay, And these two components are very critical to our understanding. We must not see, uh, see you can get in a ditch, really on either side. Some people get into a ditch, well, if you're not... Uh, with you know in the building or you're not in in church well you're not really in the family of God that's not true that's not true you can be born again independent of any other person on the earth one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus right and uh, but the other ditch is when people begin to think well I'm filled with the spirit I'm the temple of God all by myself and they leave out this part, where we are also together the house of God. Both are vital components to fulfilling God's perfect will and plan for the church in the earth and for your life on an individual basis, okay? Both are very, very important. And, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't really want to take, take away from either one of these. Not even, not even at all. In other words, I need to have things going on with me and the Lord aside from you. If I don't, there's something wrong there. And it will, I'm severely lacking if I don't have a relationship with God and have, a, have something good going on. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's dynamic. It's alive and it's active Amen. apart from you. If you're only part, the only part of your relationship with God is here, is now, is, is on a Sunday or something like that, I got to tell you, you are greatly uh, lacking what the Lord intends to do in your life. You cannot reach the pinnacle and the peak of what God wants for you. It doesn't mean you're not saved. You don't go to a lesser heaven. <laughs> the Lord still loves you just as much as everyone else. But I'm talking practical here. I'm talking about us walking in the very best of what God has for us. It must both be individual and corporate, okay? If all I have, I have a great relationship with God, but when I get together with the, with the church on occasion, I kind of think I know more than everybody else, and I'm kind of irritated about this and that. Listen, I'm totally missing the boat there, too. We've got to be uh, alive on our own with the Lord, and we've got to be in unity, seeking God, and recognizing the value of each other 
when we get together. How many know uh, that one another is a big time word in the New Testament? Okay. And God intends for this relationship to, uh, you know, we got two legs. And it's you by yourself with the Lord. And it's us together. And you take either one of those out and uh, you look funny. You're missing a leg, right? (laughs) Okay. Both are vital. But while we're here, let's maximize our time together. And when we could, how do we conduct ourselves in, in the house of God? Well, it's important that we recognize that this together, they know I'm the house of God all by myself. You're right. Don't miss the other leg, though. You're also a part of the house, and we are together having something right now. God designed it. He set it up. And he's pleased when we get involved. <laughs> and when God's smiling, you've seen a smile. Hey, have you ever had a person brighten your day? They were just so full of joy and they smile real big and it just felt good getting around them. What about when the Lord smiles? <laughs> your day's about to get as good as it can get. Praise God. And I believe he's happy with us. Praise the Lord. Now, so there's a way to conduct yourself. Now, now go back to John. Th- this is our text. Kind of took a detour. It's kind of an odd way to preach a message. But, but uh, we're good, right? Trying to just, to just to bring people up to date, I like to start in the same place uh, each week because I always realize there's folks who haven't been with us and, and uh, we want to get you caught up. Um, and for the rest of us who have, we're just reminded. John 14, 21, Jesus said, He who has my commandments... And keeps them. One thing to know what the commandments are is another thing to keep them, right? He said, it is he who loves me. In other words, that's a manifestation of love, keeping his commandments. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus himself said, I will manifest myself to him. Well, what does that mean? Again, from the Amplified. He said, the person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I, too, will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. That is what will change a person's practical day-to-day life. When, you, when God is real to you in your car, you have touched His glory. When God is real to you and you're giving attention and giving weight and honor to Him in His presence in your life no matter where you're at, you are tapping into the manifestation of God's glory. You see, when we're, even us being here tonight, the amount of of honor and respect and really i like to use the word weight again you remember that was one of the definitions of of the word glory the more weight we give to the lord even being here tonight will determine the amount of that glory that is manifest okay and when we come with a a a holy reverence for who god is a respect for all that he wants to do that's when he takes free liberty 
And say, there's some people I can trust with what I've got to give. There's a group that will honor and respect my holy things. And I'm about to shake them. I'm about to, to, about to reveal to them. And let, them, let myself be clearly seen by them. Oh, talk about ready for something to happen. Uh, how, how many know that if you really uh, respect someone, you will give them the say-so as to what happens and what is, what is talked about, okay? I mean, if you were to stand, in, even in a natural sense, in the, in the presence of some great dignitary, someone who carried a lot of weight in the earth and had a lot of command and a lot of authority, it would be disrespectful to go in there and immediately start yapping and start saying everything that's on your mind while they sit there and listen to you. Unless they've, unless they've expressed to you, go ahead and say what you want to say. How many know you just don't do that? You go in there with your mouth closed and you wait for someone to signal you. And, and you wait for them to give you permission or you just listen. That's respectful. Okay? When it comes to the Lord, I really believe that's one of the reasons that, that, that God designed uh, the church as it is. And He will put his word in a person's mouth to speak to the church and it's not all free for all okay who's got something else <laughs> who wants to uh, what message do you prefer no it's what message does the lord prefer what does he have to say i remember hearing uh, some different accounts uh different people who had uh, divine visitations, visions would be the New Testament term, where the Lord Jesus appeared to someone and spoke to them about certain subjects. And some of these people uh, that have had these experiences have recounted that afterward, after the experience is over, they said, you think of a thousand different things you, you wished you would have asked the Lord. But for some reason... They said, when you're in that position, talking with the Lord, you don't think of everything. And you know what I, what, I, what I believe that the reason for that is? It's because of the weight, it's the glory of God that's there, and you're standing in the presence of Almighty God. What you want to know and what you think becomes very much secondary to what He wants to say. And we all think, man, if the Lord showed up in my bedroom and sat down and talked with me for a while, I've got, you know, all these things I want to know about and I want to Maybe you would not even know about your list anymore. <laughs> you might get done and, you know, and the next day go, oh, junk. <laughs> I should have asked the Lord about this, this, and this. Well, it honors God when you set yourself to hear what he has to say. Okay? And listen, not to say that it's wrong to ask the Lord questions. I ask the Lord questions. I believe he wants you to ask things and, and he will share with you. But uh, listen, even in a time like this, and let's not, let's not uh, diminish times like this in comparison to some spectacular manifestation of, of God where people are seeing into the realm of the Spirit and so forth. Don't diminish the way God chose to minister to you and to His church, okay? What we're doing is His plan. And so we should give it great respect. 
All right. So how do we do that? Listen, I would encourage you this way because you've got things you want to know. You've got questions you want answered. You've got things you're, you're praying about. And do so. Continue and believe God. But when we gather together now as the house of God, I want you to know that that takes second place to what God wants to do during that time. Okay? And that it is right. It should, should I come to get my needs met well if you have needs a church is a great place for god to move and meet meet those kind of needs but if our heart is this way that lord i'm putting all my requests all my uh all the things that i desire aside so that what you want is first and foremost in my mind right now that's respecting him that's respecting him and i know this we've done that and there have been times where god would move supernaturally and say, now talk to the Lord about what you want. I, I think it was just a few weeks ago. I knew, and, and I, I shared this. I knew that the Lord was waiting on some people to tell them what to do. They had needs. They had things they needed done. And God was just saying, okay, tell me what you need done. And it was a time for that. But listen, when we're together, that's not our first uh, thought. Our first thought is, it's not... Me. My first thought is, I'm in the presence of someone pretty important here. Say, are we? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And our acknowledgement of that brings a greater manifestation. But I'm here in the presence of someone important. And so I submit all of my thoughts and my desires and my preferences and my uh, personal likes and dislikes and i'm setting those all aside and i'm saying lord whatever you want i'm here listening i'm here listening and i'm going to honor and glorify you amen so the lord wants to reveal us you remember also jesus said in john eleven forty, 40 did, uh, did i not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of god and so we can believe <laughs> unto seeing the glory of God. And then Lazarus was raised from the dead. So does our faith have anything to do with that? Apparently. Yeah. You believe? Can you believe unto the, to see the glory of God? I can. I'm believing to see more and more of God's glory. I'm believing to see an increase, an influx in your life. I really desire and I tell you what, the Lord has my witness. I desire to see God move in your life almost more than I want to see him move in my life. And I want him to move in my life. I mean, we're real close there, but <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, if you stick around, just hold on to your seat because God's going to begin to move in your life more than you've ever seen him move before. And, and I'm, and I'm going to be in the Lord's face in, respect, in a respectful way. Yeah. And you're going to see more of God than you've ever seen before. You're going to understand truths that, you've, that have been hidden, that have been a mystery to you. Amen. God will reveal them to you. There are going to be more and more visions, more dreams. I mean, the real thing, not the pizza dreams. <laughs> God revealing stuff to us, to you. Yes, you're going to hear words from heaven. Yes, angels are going to be uh, going to be manifest. Some are entertaining angels unaware. We know the scripture says. 
more and more, more and more, not to be a stop, not to just to be an end in and of itself. We're going to reach people with this stuff. Man, when you're glowing, whew, you are a witness for the glory of God, and many people will be drawn unto him. Go with me to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Chapter 10. What I want to share a little bit at this point is something that had just really been stirring in my heart over the last number of days. And it's about God being holy. And I see that God being holy, well, that's true whether I acknowledge it or not. It's, it's a way that God describes himself. But us recognizing that God is holy and approaching him with that in mind is really a big key to what we're talking about. Okay? You don't get close to God with a flippant attitude. I'm telling you. You, you, you don't see the things that you and I long to see. and have a, uh, We won't know the things that our heart longs to know with a flippant attitude like it doesn't matter and, and we treat the things of God as common. Look at verse 3. Leviticus 10, 3. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. What if a person doesn't regard the Lord as holy? They don't get as close. Now you have to understand what I'm saying because I, I like to teach the whole Bible and we live in a new covenant and I understand this. A person is either saved or they're not. You're no more or less saved because of this verse. In one sense, you could say that God is in you the same as he's in everyone who's received the Lord. But again, let me bring you back to what we're talking about, a manifestation, God being clearly seen by us. Those who get close to him must regard him as holy. And so our attitude and how we treat who God is and what he's all about will determine what we are allowed to touch what we're allowed to know, what we're allowed to experience. I always want to go back again to the scripture where, the, where Jesus said, I've mentioned it a few times in this series, do not cast what is holy to the dogs or don't give what is holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine. Okay, God is not interested in giving holy things to people who don't give a rip. 
He's not interested in, in opening up his treasures of wisdom and knowledge and the glories of all he is for all to behold for those who don't give it any value, who, can't, who don't gain any, uh, have any appreciation for what it really is. And if I want the fullness of God and manifestation, I must recognize that he is holy. That he is holy. We sing about it a lot. Is it a revelation to us, though? That's a good question. Is it a rev- Do we understand what that means? It's interesting uh, looking through the Bible and just doing, you can do, it, do a simple uh, word search on your computer if you have Bible program or online. There are a lot of things that are referred to as holy in the Bible. First of all, you know, what does it mean? Well, the Hebrew word sim- simply means a sacred place or thing. When something is holy, you could say it's sacred. It, it's holy. God proclaimed many things to be holy, and they were holy because He is holy, and He said they were. It's who God is, and if He at times, and He did, He said, this is holy to me. It then took on a greater value than it ever had before. I mean, God could say, you know, because this is just a, what's this made out of? Plexiglass, something? Uh, it's just plexiglass. But if God said, that's holy. It, it just took on a whole new level. How I many know, I mean, we're like, and we try to keep it, keep it clean anyway, but this is holy now. If God declares that something's holy, Wow. He is holy, and he said, that's important to me. It takes on a whole new value again, a whole new level of importance. I want it, man, I, I don't want to just flip it. I don't want to bump into it. I want to take care of this thing. Man, just stay away. This is holy. Okay, now, back up. This is not holy. <laughs> Except to the extent that it's being used for the Lord's purposes. We could say that. But God did declare that a number of things were holy. A lot of these things in the Old Testament uh, don't necessarily apply to us directly. But just to give you some example, and there are, it's a very small example, but certain things were called holy uh, garments. There were days called holy. There were offerings that were called holy. Certain people were called holy. Uh, apostles and prophets are referred to as holy in the Bible. Uh, the throne of God, of course, is called holy. Uh, the, the name of the Lord is referred to as holy. We read in the New Testament about holy angels. They're called holy. The scriptures are called holy. Uh, even your calling, even um, faith is called holy. Remember the word to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. And sometimes we read right past that stuff. But what God is saying is these things take special importance. And they carry a tremendous amount of value. I've labeled them. I've called them holy. That means that we should treat those things with the utmost respect. Okay? Like I said, some of the feasts and some of the things in the Old Testament don't directly apply to us as far as them being labeled holy. That was for their time and for their, uh, the dispensation they were in. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of 
things today that God calls holy. And what happens is oftentimes we treat it like everything else. God says it's holy, and we say, uh, you know, I mean, we don't necessarily say that, but we don't give it extra special attention and weight in our lives. Therefore, we're disrespecting the Lord, not knowing it. He says, holy pulpit. And we just, ah, whatever, got a little spot on it. In other words, if God says something is holy, and I treat it common, eh, you know, I'm not really respecting the Lord in that. And if I want to get close to Him, and I'm not talking positionally, I'm talking practically here, walking in this place, I must regard Him as holy. And if I regard Him as holy, then I am in the same breath saying, everything that you, a holy God, says is holy, I respect that. And it takes on now a new level of importance with me. So I really want to treat God as holy. It might do you well to go through the scriptures, which are holy themselves, and find things that God says is holy. And say, you know what? I haven't really been given that much attention or even hardly given it a second thought. But God says it's holy, so you now set it up in your mind and say, I'm not going to mess with that in a light or disrespectful manner, okay? This is making God holy. You know, you could say and be somewhat accurate, well, you, uh, well, everything's holy. Everything that God owns, everything that God's created is holy. Well, I think that's being too general, though. Because if everything were on an equal plane and equal in importance, never would the Lord have said about anything or anyone they're holy. Are you listening? For example, well, we know this. Maybe we'll look at some of these verses. I could be scriptural and say that you are holy. I'll show you scriptures. You are holy. And you are holy. And you are holy. And you are holy. Every person who's been saved, they're in the church. We are holy. Okay? But then why in the world does the Bible say, and this is a New Testament passage, you can look it up, speaks of holy apostles and prophets. Well, didn't they, weren't they already covered in all of God's people being called holy? Because they're named and specifically pointed out that says that God is putting a special, some special attention on that. And he wants us to really recognize that an apostle, and this is just one example, an apostle and prophet carry a lot of weight in our lives. I'm not going to disrespect them. I'm not going to treat them like they're everyone else. I'm not going to act like, well, they're just a, another Christian just like everybody else. No, there's something extra there. Are you listening? So in one sense, all of what God has in his, yes, because it's his, we could say, yeah, it wouldn't be incorrect, holy unto the Lord. But then what did he mention? What specifically did he mention? And there are quite a few things. And so don't just generalize uh, by saying that everything is holy and thereby making nothing holy. You know, my whole life is the Lord's. Well, yeah, that's not incorrect. I mean, it should be correct. But at the same time, what specifically is the Lord's in your life? 
What specifically have you set aside for his purposes and, and his use? What are you doing? What do you have that you've given to the Lord? I mean, it may still be in your possession, but you've given it to him. Okay, that's different than a person just saying, my whole life's the Lord's. Everything I have, everything I am. And then you go ahead and do whatever you want with everything you have and everything you are. Right? See, it's different. And that's why setting things aside for his use and his purpose can be of tremendous value. And it's an honoring thing to God. God will receive that from your hand when you're saying, this is for you. This is yours. I'm setting this aside for your purposes, for your use. God said, okay. That's holy. It's a holy thing. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let me give you just a couple examples of what we're talking about. First Timothy. Oh, thank you, Lord. Chapter 2 and verse 8. You've read this before. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up hands without wrath and doubting. Is that what the Bible says? Oh, we skipped a word, didn't we? I think I've skipped that word a lot of times in that verse. What did he say? Lifting up holy hands. Well, what's happening here? God is pointing out my hands. And when I lift them to him, he says, holy, holy. So I'm not into that hand lifting stuff. Listen, this is holy unto the Lord. He calls your hands holy. I don't know about him calling your kneecaps holy. You know, or your nose holy, or, well, I guess that is, but. <laughs> I knew Mike was thinking that way. And, uh, but he mentions specifically our hands as being holy. So that makes me want to give special attention. What do I do with my hands? It's important to the Lord. He, said, he called them holy hands. Oh, I lift my holy hands to Him. That means something to the Lord. That's just tradition. That's just charismatic. No. God not only said to lift them, because that would be enough for me. But He added the word holy in there. Wow. It takes on special attention. Second Timothy. Chapter 1 and verse 9. Speaking of God, it says in verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. A holy calling. You know, when God calls you, it's not something light or insignificant. To him, it's holy. And so I should never, ever take the call of God, whatever that call is, whether it's a call to pastor or, 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 or whatever, calls to do all kinds of things. But when God calls, it's holy to him. Therefore, it should be holy to me. And when I call it holy because he called it holy i am approaching him as a holy god and i get to come near 
I get to draw close. I, 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 I'm qualified. Now, I understand I'm qualified in Christ. You understand where I'm coming from here. I don't want anybody to be confused uh, like we're going into, well, you got to do everything right to get close to the Lord. Well, it depends on how you're, where you're coming from. Okay, everyone has the Lord in their life. He's there all the time if you've received Jesus by faith. But the practical reality of Him showing you more, we showed you last week, He doesn't show everything to everybody. Everything is not revealed to everyone. But there's a heart condition that meets the requirements of God to give His holy things to. Amen. So He has a holy calling. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I kind of touched on this. Let me just look at a couple of scriptures. And I'm really just scratching the surface as far as the amount of scriptures that are on this subject. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. In the Old Testament, again, there were many, many things that God referred to as holy. They were set apart to Him. The Sabbath day was to be holy unto the Lord. Uh, he, he, he talked about, um, like I said, different offerings. He, he called the tithe holy unto Him. In the New Covenant, this, this, is, this, is, this is powerful, but this is us. Ephesians 1, 4, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love someone said that's talking about our actions we need to be blameless no it's not because no one can qualify then this is what the lord did for you he made you holy and blameless in his sight he raised the value of your life when jesus came in he said now they're holy unto me you are holy. Don't ever call yourself unholy. Well, I'm just so unholy and unworthy. Knock it off. The Lord calls you holy. That's what you are to Him. He's right. Every time you diss yourself, every time you put yourself down and, and, and speak negative things about your own life, you're not honoring God. You're not, you're not counting Him holy because He said you were holy. Agree with Him Amen. and you'll get along better. Here's the other side. He's right. The Lord is right about you when He says you are holy. You're a, you're a you know, remember, again, a, a chosen nation, a, a holy nation, royal priesthood. Amen. Uh, real close here, Colossians. Well, a couple books over. Small books, though. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and so forth. What does he call you? The elect of God, holy and beloved. That's how God refers to us. Let me give you one more, just so you see that this is a pattern. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Therefore, brethren, actually most of you aren't there yet. 
Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. He could have easily said, hey, bro. Therefore, brothers, he said, holy brethren, brethren, sisterin are included in that. Uh, he called us holy. If he calls us holy, we are holy unto the Lord. And we're talking about treating God as holy. See, but oftentimes we don't have a practical outworking of that. How can I treat God as holy in my life? Well, here, here's, here's one of the big keys, is you take Him and set Him apart from anything common and natural. But anything that God says, I'm doing this, I'm involved with this, or He says specifically, this is holy to me, then that particular activity or person or thing then takes on new importance in our life. 1 Corinthians 3. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. It says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, now here's what's interesting. Paul set, uses that same terminology a couple different times. And this is kind of back to where I started, even though I didn't intend to start there. The Amplified, let me give it to you from the Amplified version. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, His sanctuary? And that God's Spirit has given His permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. This is where we must see because you can look at, we don't take the time, 2 Corinthians 6, 16 talks about how uh, that we are the temple of the living God. And we can see He's talking about us individually. But the Bible also, and I believe this first one here, when he's, he's, he's saying you are the temple, he's writing to the whole church. Just like in the 12th chapter where he said to desire spiritual gifts, he's not talking to one person in that church at Corinth. He's telling the whole church, you want this stuff? You got to want it. Not one or two or three of you. The whole church, desire it. When he talks about being the temple of God, he's saying you corporately, together are the temple of God. So what about by myself? You are as an individual, but that's a different anointing there. That's a different way of God moving and manifesting Himself. There is something so very important and powerful in us coming together and recognizing that together we are the temple of God. And He will do in us together what He won't do in us individually. And there are things that we will see and understand and grow in and experience together that we won't experience individually. And you can see why it is one of the enemy's biggest attack modes is to get people separated from the temple. 
separated from the house of God. He wants the people to be in strife so they separate. And the only way they'll ever experience God, if even they do, is on an individual basis. And that's all they'll know. Okay, we're moving into some times and some seasons and into some moves of God's Spirit that are corporate and we must be together to experience it. And we must be unified to have the fullness of what God is wanting to do. We must recognize that all of us together, we are the temple. We are the house of God. God indwells us and fills us corporately. Praise the Lord. It's not about personality. Not about uh, rich or poor. Not about social class. It's about saved. It's about I'm in the kingdom and I want God more than anything else. It's about I call Him and treat Him as holy in my life. And everything that He says is holy. I'm going to give that special attention and respect like never before. And when we do, God is reverenced in our midst. God is honored. He is glorified. And these things are so, so very important. What have you consecrated to the Lord in your life? You know, for His special use. Someone said, well, my whole life. Again, I'm not going to tell you what, but I'm telling you, this is a way of honoring God. When there's something... In your life, there's, I mean, not just everything. Yes, we want to be everything. And God has access to everything in our lives. If he speaks to us, we should be quick to respond and say, it's yours, Lord. But are there things? Sometimes people will dedicate a certain time of their day. That's holy to the Lord then. When you're saying, this is the time of my day, doesn't mean you're locked down to it and become religious, but you're committing something to him. Okay, not about works, not about approval, not about performance, about honor. And about saying, God, you're holy and I'm just going to, I'm going to give this to you. You know, we talked about, uh, uh, in the Bible specifically mentioned offerings and tithes that can be holy to the Lord. What are you making holy to the Lord in your life? Not just generally, specifically. Maybe there's other things that you possess or things that you do or skills that you have, some way, something that you can take. It's not about someone else, you know, making you do it or you feel uh, like you have to do it to, uh, to gain some acceptance or anything like that. No, it's about, man, I love God. He's holy in my life. He's the most important thing that ever existed. And I want to take something of me and make it holy unto him. It honors God. Amen. You know, just in, in finishing up, at least for now, uh, you know, someday we'll probably get to see the creatures, the four living creatures that continuously, without break, <laughs> are around the throne of God. What do they say? Holy, holy, holy. holy. Maybe that's the Trinity. I don't know. Holy to each one. But they're continually saying, say, can't you think of anything else to say? Maybe in that place, no. <laughs> Maybe nothing else really comes to mind. <laughs> Just, <gasps> <gasps> holy. Oh, holy. 
holy. They're just in awe. Oh, he's holy. Holy. They're created to say that. And I, I'm kind of thinking, I know the Lord a little bit. I bet they are having such a good time. I bet if you could, you know, if you were to, uh, if they could switch jobs with someone else, they'd say, no. And it's all they do. Fly around the Lord. Holy, 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 holy. Listen, when we sing holy songs and we sing those words, think about the words. Let it be such respect and honor to God. You know, I was reading in Ephesians, or not Ephesians, but Ezekiel, chapter 44. And you don't need to turn there for now, but... Uh, he, they, were, they were given a charge. He was given a charge to the priests of their Old Testament. It's interesting what he said in verse 23. He said, and they shall teach my people the difference between holy and unholy. And cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And though some of the things that we deal with are different than their ceremonial laws and so forth. That same spirit should be alive in us today. What? That we're able to discern and recognize what is holy and what is not. What is clean and what is not. So that we can give the proper honor and respect to the holy things of God. We're talking about the glory of God. I don't think we're gonna I don't think we're gonna have the fullness of that in manifestation without readily seeing and recognizing. Like, like was said in Leviticus 10, that the Lord must be regarded as holy by those who come near to Him. Come near to Him. Let's regard Him as holy. Praise God. Let's stand up tonight. Amen. Father God, we just honor You and bless You tonight regarding You as holy. Oh, You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God. What a wonderful Lord you are. Father, help us, I pray, to not treat anything that is important to you as unimportant. We do lift up holy hands to you now. You said they're holy. We say they're holy. We honor and respect you. We are your holy people. Not because of what we've done. Lord, you said we are, so we are. And Lord, we worship you. We honor you. <laughs> we respect you, Lord. Everything that's important to you is important to us. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Have your way in us. We, we lay our priorities and agenda down. We let you rule in our hearts. Praise God. Praise God.